Welcome back to another episode of The Spirit of Haggard. I am your host, Jody Lynch Findlay, speaker, podcaster, and coach. And we are here today as we continue the journey of uncovering and peeling back the curtain on the stories that make up The Spirit of Haggard. So today, we have a very special guest who is part of the field care team at Haggard, Dr. Sydney Hughes. Dr. Hughes, thank you so much for being here with us and being willing to sit down and share a little bit of your journey. Well, thank you for having me, Jody. It's great to see you. Yes. So, yeah, this will be fun. It, it will be fun. It's been a while since you and I have gotten to chit-chat and catch up on life. So we will kind of dive in and talk a little bit about our listeners just love to hear your journey. So let's start with kind of the beginning. We, we've spoken to so many of your colleagues. There are a lot of folks here at Haggard and in Central Kentucky that have come from far away. And they come here and never leave. And you, on the other hand, grew up here in central Kentucky and have some family ties to the thoroughbred industry. So start us at the beginning and tell us a little bit about Sydney. Okay. Well, that's great. I did grow up in uh, central Kentucky. Um, I went to high school here. I went to college here. My dad is a trainer and my stepmom works for a bloodstock agent. Um, my mother, she used to work for a farm here that actually had a stallion, Lord at War. They stood him. Oh, wow. Um, he's a really popular stallion. So I think my stepdad's the only one not in the industry okay. in the family, but he dabbles. <laughs> so wow. we've all kind of stayed suctioned to the horse industry. So I'd say so. Yeah. It is a family affair. It is very much a family affair. It's really great, though. My aunt and uncle, they still live here. They work in Versailles at Horse Sense and have horses. And it's just been, I don't know if you want to say it's a disease, but <laughs> <laughs> right. we don't definitely have it. So. You have it, for sure. Yeah. So did you grow up riding? I did. So I grew up riding, um, and I pony clubbed, and I did some low-level showing. And um, I went and showed all through high school. And when I went to college, still did a little bit of showing. I was I never traveled out of state or anything for it. It was always local shows. And um, after undergrad, I went to New Zealand, and I worked as a technician down there. And then I went to Ireland and did the Irish National Stud course. It's a thoroughbred breeding course. Very much recommend it if anybody's yes. interested in getting out of the United States and seeing how people raise thoroughbreds and, and how they manage thoroughbreds in other countries. It was very educational. And I stayed there and I worked there after the course. It's a six-month course. And then I came back to Kentucky and I rode with Dr. Walter Zent and I rode with him for a season. He's uh, equine reproduction veterinary was in field care for many, many years here. And I went and did my master's at UK with Dr. Ed Squires and Dr. Mott Trodson and Dr. Barry Ball came later at uh, the Gluck Center at UK. And I finally made it to veterinary school eventually. And I went to Auburn and I graduated in 2016 and I came back here and I've been here ever since at Haggard's. Wow. Well, and there, there are a lot of pieces of that to unpack. First, oh, yeah. I have to go back and say, you know, the Irish National Stud Program, as I understand it, is very competitive. It is. Yes. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly how they have it set up now because I did it 
many, many moons ago. <laughs> so, but it is, um, they have dormitories on the farm and it's a seasonal position. So it's a six month course during the breeding season, which is the same as our breeding season. So it would be January through July. And you work on the farm, you work in different areas of the farm. They have stallions, mares, foals, shippens, um, not so many layups. And you also have a classroom aspect and there are some assignments that you do and you go and visit different farms and go and visit different training yards. And it is, it's really, really interesting to see. And you meet people from all over the world. There were people from South Africa in my group, from France, Ireland, England, the U.S. Um, so people from all over. Wow. And there's actually, I think, a scholarship okay. now with the Jerry Dilger Foundation. So they're looking for people in the industry to apply for that and go do that program, which I highly recommend for people that would like to see what else is out there. Okay. And so if we are recommending that to our listeners, when do you recommend that they would pursue that? Is that something you do during or after undergrad? You can do it at really any time if you need a break from undergrad, if you want to go after undergrad. I mean, it's just really, I wasn't really sure I wanted to go to veterinary school. So that was my I, next question, yes, Sid. I wanted to kind of venture out there and see if there was something else I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be part of the thoroughbred industry, part of the horse industry. I didn't know in what capacity at the time. So that allowed me to explore things outside of veterinary medicine. Okay, wonderful. So let's talk about that because that's always a question, mm -hmm. you know, and I am pretty passionate about encouraging young people who have an interest in equine veterinary medicine, mm -hmm. whether it is to become a veterinarian or if they think maybe like you were not sure that they want to be a part of it in an allied industry role or something like that. So tell us a little bit more about that part and when you did decide that you you wanted to pursue a career in veterinary medicine specifically as a veterinarian? Well, I was really inspired by Dr. Walter Zent. I loved his day-to-day. -day. You know, we went to farms. He bred mares. I've always, always loved breeding mares. Um, it's been my favorite part about the horse industry. I love the foals. I love that very beginning. Um, but I decided while I was doing my master's, I was really having a hard time getting my thesis checked out. And I also didn't really feel like I was a great teacher, which is a big part, I think, of research um, at most universities. So if you take on some sort of research position, there is a big element of teaching. And I just feel like I don't really have that gift of teaching. Okay, And I just got drawn back into veterinary medicine. I just said, you know what, let's, let's do this. Okay. <laughs> so, so you had gotten through your master's yeah. and as you were, was it kind of during your thesis writing that you applied to vet school? Yes. So I applied towards the end of um, finishing my thesis. I had applied to vet school. So it took me three years to finish my master's. You know, yes. again, it's similar to the national study. You meet people from all over the world, different backgrounds, and it's just, it's incredible to just get to know people and get to know their stories and learn from them. So yes. that was a really good experience. And then after I finished my thesis, I, I started at Auburn in the fall. So. Okay. Yeah. So the timing worked well for that. Yes. And I, I do want to give a shout out to the research portion of what you did, because mm -hmm. sometimes we don't think about the careers 
that our Glock Equine Research Center and other universities and colleges and academia and companies that hire R&D. So that research piece is really very huge for our industry. Oh, absolutely. I know I've mentioned that before and your colleagues have in previous episodes, but when we talk about, as you just alluded to, the research that is conducted here in Central Kentucky and the contributions to advancing equine veterinary medicine and new products and innovations. There are so many collaborations that occur between Gluck and Haggard Equine Medical and the other veterinarians here in Central Kentucky and academic institutions around the country. This is just such a, a foundational part and geography for our industry. Oh, absolutely. For sure. So you mentioned how much you love your role currently. So let's talk field care in central Kentucky and what you do. Yeah. So we kind of live by seasons here because obviously the spring is very, very busy. And um, so most of my work in the spring is going to be reproduction and full care. And I really like that. I'm a general practitioner, so I'm kind of a, a jack of all trades, master of none. So, <laughs> but it's, I really like it. I go to a farm, you know, we palp some mares, we look at some foals. Um, I've kind of, it's kind of a pretty big like blanket right now. I don't do just mare work. I do a lot of foals still. So, okay. and there's also um, some emergency care as well sprinkled into that. We have a lot of post-foaling emergencies. Um, you know, we, ha- we have to take care of the full sometimes, you know, sometimes we have them, they, you know, haven't passed their meconium or, you know, they have broken with diarrhea. So we kind of have this vast, um, vast kind of area of practice that we, that we do. And I do that mostly during the spring. And then in the off season, um, I find myself doing mostly general herd health. And I have probably, I have a few clients that um, they have riding horses. So we go over, we do wellness exams every year, their annual vaccines, and we kind of just make a general plan, you know, for the year. They set up a relationship with us and uh, we have great emergency services. We're all on a rotational schedule for emergencies. So if anything happens after hours, they can get taken care of as part of that. And that has changed some, right? It has, yeah, yeah. So it's changed a little. I think we're, I think we're doing a lot better um, having and adhering to our emergency schedule so we can kind of get a break, so we can be fresh. You're getting a nice, fresh veterinarian that has gotten some sleep and is ready to go and ready to take care of whatever emergency you have. Yes. So, so at, at your point in your career, how many years into practice are you? So um, I started here in 2016. So this will be my seventh year. Yeah. Right. And I I like to bring that up, Dr. Hughes, because we talk about that first five years. Yes. We talk about the challenges, especially if you are in equine veterinary medicine and maybe our tendency to compare ourselves to colleagues who went into companion animal veterinary medicine and what that first five years looks like. How does it feel to be in your seventh year of practice and what looks different for you? Well, I think it's just ever evolving. I don't think um, I'm, you know, my days look a lot different than they did in those first five years. And I just think it's, it's important to be dynamic, especially in this field. 
things may not look the same year after year. And that's kind of an important thing to get used to as you, and I think it's pretty similar across most large animal medicine. I really like my day to day. I think a big part of it is we have a lot of herd health because we have these big herds of horses. So we're, it's not, you're not going into an exam room with your dog or cat and getting just like a one-on-one individual for every, you know, for every single patient. Like we do, we do a lot of herd health, a lot of kind of general stuff. And I think it's important that we have great managers and great farm people that can help us out with that. And it's, I have to switch gears a little bit when I'm going to, um, you know, my people that have riding horses Yes, and I have a riding horse too. So it's a little bit different. It's kind of similar to companion animal medicine. So it's a nice balance of companion animal and also that large animal herd health. Okay. Let's pause for just a minute to hear from our friends at Bimeda, our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor. Bimeda might just be the largest animal health company you have never heard of until now. Bimeda Animal Health's equine products have been trusted by veterinarians and horse owners since the 1960s where our Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers for horses like Equimax, Bimectin, Duramectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes rely on polyglycan, a patented formula designed to replace lost or damaged synovial fluid, and Confidence X 1% pheromone gel that reduces and prevents equine stress, to name a few of our branded products. We encourage you to consult with your equine veterinarian before using any equine products for your horse. Also, Please visit buymeetaus.com to learn more about our full product offerings and where you can buy them. When you first started, I think you've kind of recently, if we talk about two, maybe three years ago, you started without a technician. Yeah. So you talked about being a jack of all trades, but not only were you a general practitioner, yeah. you were also everything to yourself as it relates to having a technician or a rider with you. So talk to us about that, the challenges maybe that that brings and what it looks like as you transition to a point in your practice where you can, is it that you can afford a, a technician? Is it the caseload? It it has a lot to do with the caseload, and you just seem to get busier and just need to be a little bit more efficient. Okay. You do, I mean, I think it's great to kind of work by yourself. Um, I think in this area, we're able to do that because we have really great horse people. It may not be the same as you kind of get out of central Kentucky or just to areas that are a little bit more rural, and it's just the owner in you. Yeah. That can be pretty difficult, okay. um, just that kind of the one-on-one. In the clinic, they have technicians that can help hold the animals and things like that. Right. So you have to you have to really kind of learn and be okay with being on your own and kind of sort of, I don't know what to call it, do a little bit of MacGyvering and yes. sort of kind of use the tools that you have. So, you know, using your sedation, kind of, really learning how to be safe, making sure you're safe, making sure the owner's safe. So I did get used to doing things by myself, which I think is good. I think that's important. And now that I have a technician, though, it's been, I've had really great technicians. I've been really lucky. So it's nice to have someone in the car. I can, my efficiency has, I mean, just doubled. Right. Yeah. I get, I get done a little earlier, which is nice. I mean, things just roll a lot smoother with a technician. So if it's in the budget, then I very much recommend getting a technician. So, and I think most places 
um, are like that now. Yes. We know the value that they bring just not only to you as a veterinarian, but to the industry, to the communications with clients and those kinds of things. And to your point, the efficiencies. So I know that some of our listeners, and we've mentioned it before in previous episodes, but that's an opportunity to come here as a young person. It is an amazing opportunity to come here, see how you like Central Kentucky, see how you like veterinary medicine. And And the pace is a little bit different in medicine versus uh, the field. My technician this year, she worked as a medicine technician last season. Okay. So she kind of, she kind of likes ambulatory now. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, She likes this a little bit better. So hopefully she's going to go, she's going to continue on and go to veterinary school. So hopefully she, that kind of sticks with her that she wants to return and do ambulatory practice. Yes. And that's fantastic. Those are the stories we love to share, right? So come here, learn it, soak it in and decide you can do this. Mm -hmm. And you build this community, this, this Haggard family, this central Kentucky equine community. Absolutely. The opportunities are endless here. So you've mentioned Dr. Zent. One of my favorite words, our favorite topics to talk about is mentorship. So talk to us about how important that relationship was and are there other mentors? How, How does that look for your journey, Dr. Hughes? Well, I think that is part of a big part of the Haggard experience is the mentorship here. I don't really know how I would have turned out if I had not had that early mentorship and continued mentorship, obviously, like I, I still call our internists, I call our surgeons. I mean, if I have a problem, if I need to bounce some ideas off anybody, I'm, I'm calling somebody. Right. So it's really incredible. I don't, I, I just can't imagine not having that as a young veterinarian. I think it's so important. I think it's the difference between longevity in the field and that early burnout that we're seeing a lot of right now. Yes. So I think it's we have a lot of really great examples of people here. And so do you count yourself a mentor now? Um, I think I'm like more of a baby mentor now. So (laughs) I still like people call me. I'm like, always call me, bounce some ideas off me. And, you know, we'll ask someone a little bit more adultier than I am, (laughs) but we need to. So it's, um, yeah, so it's been, that's been really good. So, you know, you can kind of, there's a different, there's different levels of people you can call, which is really, really nice here. Well, I'm sure there are a few people here that if I asked them, they would be like, absolutely, Dr. Sydney Hughes is a mentor of mine and okay. she's amazing. So don't sell yourself too short. Yeah, um, in, yeah. In we definitely title. move into those positions for sure. So and we yes. all try to... We all try to work together. I think um, a lot of us, especially like the associates that are around our age, we definitely try to promote that teamwork because with our emergency services, we're covering each other's farms. So, you know, we trust each other to go out, do the best job. We may not practice exactly the same, but the farms have become accustomed to that. But I think we're really moving into a good era anyway. I agree. And that has, as we discussed, changed so much, even in the 10 years that I have been here working with, you know, equine veterinary medicine in central Kentucky, that the demands of the farms to have that continuity of care from a particular person. Mm -hmm. And that as we evolve to serve the next generation of leaders in equine veterinary medicine, that's going to look a little bit different. So, yeah. 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 And our practice is evolving. So, yeah. Um, I think that with that, it's just becoming a little bit more demanding for 
one person to take care of a whole farm of horses. Right. It's just a lot. So um, I think now we, our structure right now is um, a lot of farms have a senior primary veterinarian. And then depending on the size of the farm, um, one or two associates um, as backup for different cases. And usually the work, like the regular work is kind of divvied up among us. So we're there pretty often at the farms usually, especially the bigger ones. And um, we're all kind of working together as a team to take care of the farm and to give them the best service that we can. Okay. So teamwork makes the dream work. Absolutely. Always. We've talked about your colleagues and we've talked about technicians, but there are other pieces and parts of this because it's almost, you know, to be, to come in and be a field care associate veterinarian, especially there are so many support systems in place. So tell us a little bit about some of those teams that are here that you are utilizing to practice best medicine. So we have a really great billing team here. They do a lot of our billing or all of our billing, I should say, especially this time of year. So most of us have laptops now. So we have itemized um, services in our laptops. We have the ability to put notes and assessments in there. So we have a patient record when we when we need that. And um, that is, that's sent through billing. They double check everything and then they send those out to our different clients. Um, We have an amazing staff, um, administration staff that takes care of us, which is practice veterinary medicine to the best of our ability. So um, constant communication. Yes, absolutely. Constant communication. (laughs) Yes. With all kinds of different teams. What about the lab? We haven't talked a lot about the lab, so tell us a little bit about how that is utilized. And Well, the lab has spoiled us and our clients because <laughs> <laughs> I know, I mean, a lot of smaller companion animal places or mixed animal practices, they will send labs out. Um, it is extremely expensive to maintain um, the, the chemistry machines and the blood count machines. Very, very expensive. So our lab, I will drop a sample off and then, you know, like three hours later, my sample's back. My blood work is here. So it's, it's And you're getting great. that via email. And I'm getting that via email. Okay. I can turn in whatever culture I want to, and they will just, they will set it up for me and let me know, oh, it's sensitive to this, this, and this. Like, And I mean, just really just make it efficient and help me do my job without... So again, and that's, that helps us handle the volume of work around here. Yeah. And I just can't even tell you how many samples go through that lab, especially... During the breeding season. I cannot imagine. (laughs) They're up to their ears and I don't know. And the Coggins too. I mean, we can bring a Coggins in the morning and it's done in the afternoon if you want a two-hour Coggins. Yeah, Results are back so quickly. And it's, I just know outside of this area, it's really not like that. Right. (laughs) It's very efficient here. So it's great to have them as a resource. Our pharmacy is here. I mean, we... They are fully stocked with different things. It's just like a human pharmacy. You send your patients to go pick up their prescriptions. So tell us then your favorite part of equine veterinary medicine. You say that you love being in field care. What do you love the most about your job? I Probably the neonates. I really, really love the babies. Yeah. It's so great. I don't like it when things go wrong with them. I want everything to be wonderful. Yes. So that's the other thing that I really like about having regular clients is 
we can have a conversation. We can have that wellness exam. So if I have a riding horse client, they're like, I have my mare. I love her so much. I want to breed her. We can set her, set them up for success for the health and wellness of that foal. We can give them a vaccine schedule for the pregnant mare. We can, you know, we can first get the mare pregnant. So with, um, I mean, we can do everything, most things right on the farm with like cooled ship semen, if that's what they want to do. When the foal gets there, we can have, you know, their foal kit ready and everything that they would need for like those first, you know, days and weeks of life (laughs) that are so critical. Yes. So that's what I really like about having, you know, the same clients having, um, just being able to have a relationship with people. So, uh, we can, we can better serve them. I mean, even just, even if you're not going to go the breeding route, if you have your riding horses or you have your pets, um, just that, you know, just that annual wellness exam or biannual wellness exam, just to kind of make sure your medicine kit or your emergency kit is all nice and up to date, just to make their life easier, obviously like our lives easier and um, just kind of talk them through things and how to handle certain things and certain emergencies. It's really nice to have a good relationship with your veterinarian. Let's take a quick break to recognize our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor, Bimeda. Bimeda might be the biggest animal health company you've never heard of until now. Bimeda's products have been trusted by veterinarians and owners since the 1960s when our Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers like Equimax, Bimectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes also rely on polyglycan, a patented formula that replaces lost or damaged synovial fluid in Confidence X pheromone gel, which reduces and prevents equine stress. Consult your vet and visit buymedaus.com to see where to buy. And so on the other hand, are, what, what's a standout challenge or what is your, maybe your least favorite part of equine veterinary medicine? I think we have a lot of work to do on maintaining uh, the mental health of our practitioners yes. so that there is this longevity with our practitioners. I mean, I want to doctor sent practice for, you know, 40 years. Right. I want to practice for, and you know, 40 years. Like I want to continue to do this. Yes. I want my colleagues to continue to do this. So I recently, there's a recent episode with um, Dr. Holder yeah. and I joked with him that Dr. Holder, you came here for an internship 51 years ago. How's that working out for you? <laughs> you know, so exactly, yes. exactly. So, and that's what I want to see with us and, and my fellow colleagues. Right. So I think, I think continuing to work on that, you know, what do people need? And so that we can, we're all, we all have the skills and the knowledge base that we need to handle pretty much anything yes. for each other. So I'm so yeah. passionate about that. And I think for me, I, I just can't help but say yes, 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 yes. to everything you're saying. Yeah. And that we want our listeners to hear you when we say you are heard. And if you are hearing negativity about pursuing a career in equine veterinary medicine because of the crisis or the challenge mm-hmm. or the yeah. workout hours or the pay or come talk to us, right? Right. Come talk to Dr. Sydney Hughes. Come talk to these young practitioners who are in their first decade of practice and are thriving. Right. It's being done. And the more that we communicate and talk about how we are evolving, bring your voice. Be willing to work and bring your voice. Absolutely. 
Make it a project. Be a part of the solution. It's yes. you see this happening, and it's like, okay, what are some things we can do? I mean, I'm I am going to be tweaking my whole year again because I feel like the past couple of years I have really felt I have I have felt the burnout. So I'm going to tweak how my year is going to go. I know when my busy time is, and I'm just going to be choosier. And for the rest of the year, that's not quite as busy mm-hmm. and just take care of, take care of my regular people, do our wellness, you know, make sure all the mares are staying pregnant. The babies are staying healthy. The yearlings are staying healthy on the farms and just sort of, it's all, it's always dynamic. Everything yeah. is always changing and you, there are solutions and we all just have to stick together on them. Yes. I love that word you've repeated a couple times that this is dynamic. Yes. It is. There is nothing set in concrete. It is evolving. It's dynamic. Right. Exactly. So. And most days it's fun. Most days it's really fun. Right? Yeah. And so what about a favorite case or day or story? Do you have a real standout? I always ask this question and that's the same response. If, If you could see our faces right now, people are always like, oh gosh, you know, so any standouts for you? We so, love to share those. Well, my favorite story has to be Gary the Donkey. Gary this happened, the Donkey. This was many, many years ago. And one of my mentors, it was a client of hers that had a donkey named Gary. Okay. And he was a standard donkey. So he was probably about six, 700 pounds. And the owners wanted to castrate Gary. So we get to the farm and Gary is standing in the middle of the small paddock with two men holding him. He's just standing there being very placid, just very friendly donkey. And um, my mentor, she went out to to tranquilize him. Uh And Gary took off across the paddock and drug these two men behind him and managed to get loose. (laughs) So so it took about 45 minutes to anesthetize Gary. He was, he did not like needles, it turned out. And um, so we maybe just didn't even like the smell of a veterinarian. I I think Gary just knew something was up and he was (laughs) not going to comply. So finally we anesthetized Gary and uh, we turn him over. We start to palpate um, to, to perform this castration and, uh, Gary has, has no testicles. So there was a fat pad that was hanging down that looked, (laughs) that looked like it. So Gary got vaccinated and had a nice long nap. And had a nice long nap. Yes. Yes. So, so maybe Gary already knew what was about to happen because he had previous experience. (laughs) So Gary had previous experience and he said, you know what guys, I'll help you out. Make this really (laughs) difficult, but no, we persevered. And we anesthetized Gary. So. That might be my favorite answer to this question in yes. all of our episodes. Oh, yeah. Gary the donkey. I mean, just we'll never forget to Gary the donkey. And it just really made me think about uh, donkey anesthesia. Yes. My entire career. <laughs> so. And I, and we hear time and again, any of you all as veterinarians who have worked with donkeys, there is always a donkey story. Yes, absolutely. And they are becoming very popular companion animals. And I do. I love donkeys. I think they're so great. They are not tiny horses. There's actually a really great donkey manual that I send to all of my clients that have donkeys that you can download as a a PDF. 
But yeah, I think I think we're going to see more donkeys though. That is true. Oh, <laughs> this is a direction I wasn't expecting us to go today. No, so no. this is fantastic. Yeah. So today our listeners get a bonus, a little education on donkey veterinary medicine yes. in addition to equine yes. veterinary medicine. Absolutely. So as we wrap up, what advice do you have for our listeners? I, I always ask this. Many of our listeners are young people who are hungry to learn a little bit more and make a decision about equine veterinary medicine. And others are, you know, listening to learn about Haggard and Central Kentucky. So what advice do you have? I think the best advice I can give is to talk to your colleagues, talk to your classmates, and talk to your clinicians. I mean, the network is incredible. And you will find opportunities that you never really thought that you would have. And just get out there, explore everything, and just know that nothing is ever set in stone, no matter what anybody tells you. It's not set in stone. You can change some stuff. Yes. Ask <laughs> so, more questions. Yes. Change, make yeah. changes, contribute yeah. to changes, be exactly. dynamic. Exactly. Be dynamic. Be the solution. Okay. I couldn't say it better, right? I always love to hear the word rewarding and there, there's a lot of sacrifice and effort mm-hmm. that goes into it. Yeah. And you know, with great sacrifice comes great reward. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for joining us and sharing so much and bringing your passion and your energy to our listeners today. And again, if this is your first episode, please go back and listen to some of these great stories of the spirit of Haggard. Again, I am your host, Jody Lynch Findlay. You can find me at www.jodyspeakslife.com. That's J-O-D-I speakslife.com. And I always love to say thank you to our amazing sponsor by Mita. And with that, we will say cheers to another episode of The Spirit of Haggard. Thanks for tuning in to The Spirit of Haggard podcast today, sponsored by Bymeda. I'm your host, Jody Lynch Findlay, speaker and podcaster. You can connect with me at jodyspeakslife.com.